0: welcome to vermont artists and authors where we interview great storytellers and artists from the amazing green mountain state i'm your host barney smith of storycomic.com and we're honored to have with us the award-winning and acclaimed author of walking home and augusta celia Riker. celia hello how are you doing
1: i'm doing well
0: you so you've published already through Rootstock.com, RootstockPublishing.com. Yes. You put you put out two books. Your your first one, as we mentioned, was Walking Home, that came out in 2021.
1: I know, right watched, in the middle of COVID.
0: I know. See now and then and then you published, and the one that we'll also be talking about is also Augusta, which, as you mentioned before we went on the air, is mentioned a bit in your first book of Walking Home. Correct. Yes.
1: She's one of the people I thought about as I was hiking for days on end. And when I was on the top of Mount Baker and saw the snakes sunning themselves, it was reminded me of my grandmother who, when she found out I was afraid of snakes, she taught me how to catch them and showed me how pretty they were. So she didn't teach me how to make muffins. She taught me how to catch snakes.
0: (laughs) Right. And she also taught you not to be afraid of loons as well, right? I know.
1: I, I slept on her porch as a child and the sound of the loons on the lake. I thought I was very young and I was frightened by them. So she took
0: me out on the lake to show me the loons. Right. So, so talk to us a little bit about your, your, your latest book, Augusta. So this is, as you said, this is historical fiction, even though it's based off of your grandmother, correct? Correct. It is loosely
1: based on her story, partly due to the fact that I had so many conflicting stories. If you look at the image on the book, uh, that image of her is from a daguerreotype that my aunt gave me. Uh, it's two, It's two by three inches. It's one of those tiny little pictures. Hmm. And my aunt, when she gave it to me, said that your grandmother was married off to the father to the widowed father of one of her classmates at the age of 13. and this image was taken on her wedding day and she's wearing her eighth grade graduation dress. Wow. And I thought, oh, well, I, I knew her as the that woman who lived on the in in a cottage on the lake and led a magically simple life and taught me how to walk in the woods and not be afraid of snakes and loons and such. And um, as I got older, I found out how difficult her life had been. Hmm. because she that was in Arkansas, and then they moved to... Detroit um, following a a job and uh, then she was abandoned by her second, her first husband. And then again, by her second husband in 1920s, Detroit with four children to provide for. Wow. So her her challenges were great.
0: Right. Now what, so what made you be inspired to, were you thinking about, and I, I believe that you were thinking about writing this story years ago, but years there was ago, something yes. about, right.
1: I, oh. I, when I just, when I actually began to write this, it was after I had finished walking home and I went to the file cabinet and actually pulled out the notes from 30 years before. How I found those, I do not know because half the time I can't find my shoes, but <laughs> um, I found the notes and I, I had a list of people to interview who obviously were all gone by this time. And I did interview my father and his sister, and the two of them couldn't agree on what their what their mother's first husband's name had been. So um, part of these contradictions made it easier for me to write this as fiction. Mm-hmm. There were certain things I knew. I knew she was married at 13. I knew she had four children. I knew um, she adopted one of them out. So uh, yes, and the more I learned about her life, the more I was surprised. I never heard her complain about anything. Um, she lived in a tiny cottage. She had a hand pump at her kitchen sink. Um, she did have an indoor toilet um, and she pumped the water into a bucket at her kitchen sink and you use the bucket to flush the toilet. I mm. thought this was magically unique and such a cool thing that uh, uh, and she could she cooked on uh, what most people would call a camp stove. It stood on a on a on a uh, set of legs, but it was a very primitive three burner small oven stove, and she could cook a major meal on that. Wow! And I don't remember know if I actually remember this or if. I was told this so many times, but um, I think my mother told me that after uh, she'd fix a big meal for us all, and then she would push herself back after dinner was finished and say, well, I don't know who's doing the dishes, but I've cooked this meal and I'm going fishing.
0: So how 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 many parts of this book would you see as reflective of the times that your grandmother grew up in or how much of these are extremely unique to Oh, I did situation? a lot of
1: research into what it would have been like on a farm during the turn of the 20th century. She was mm. uh the the opening scene in the book is in 1906 when she's 12. Okay. And and found out what the school would have been like and what life would have been like on a hard knock farm. And, um, and I created this, her classmate, I made that she was married off to her father. Um, I made them friends so that I could share with the reader what their lives would have been like, how hard, how hard they worked and how um, limited their choices were. The school went to eighth grade and that was it. Wow. Um, and then I did some research into what it would have been like in 1920s Detroit. and I was surprised to find out that it wasn't uncommon even in Detroit in the 1920s for children's education to end in the eighth grade.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, so if they could read and write and add and subtract, they that was all they needed. Right. And especially and it, on a farm, they needed to get them helping
0: with the work. Right. So, so because you mentioned earlier that when you had contradictions of stories about your grandmother, you would just, you know, kind of fill in the blanks on that one. Yes. Were you ever in a position with that when you heard um, stories that uh, that that kind of like something that was confirmed by multiple sources? Did you feel obligated to put that? They attempted to make
1: some changes that way, but it didn't fit. Um, because it's not what I, the stories I remember hearing, the way I interpreted the stories as they came to me. Um, and some of the contradictions were very strange. My, uh, my husband was born in Alton, Illinois, and we had uh, a, in our kitchen a piece that uh, his parents had had, a photograph from Alton, Illinois. And my father one day saw that and he said, My father thought that Alton, Illinois, was a piece of heaven. My mother told me that he thought it was a piece of heaven and that's why he he gave me the middle name of Alton. Hmm. I have since found out that Augustus had a brother whose middle name was Alton. And what story is true? I have no idea. And my, my brother and sister and I can't even agree on how my father broke his leg when he was seven. The story I remember is he was playing in a cardboard box in the alley when he was run over by a garbage truck. And my brother said, oh no, he was hit by a Wonder Bread truck. And my sister said, no, 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 he was hit by a trolley car. So we each remember being told this by someone. And uh, so it made it a little easier to call it fiction. And, uh, and, And part of it, I thought I was going to write it in the omniscient third person. This was what I was planning to do. And when I began to write, I found myself writing it from Augusta's point of view. Hmm. And um, and I don't know how she felt when this happened or that happened, but as I was writing it, it just felt it felt like there were times to- when I'm writing. Quite often, I'll stand back after I finish the day, and be surprised at what I've written. And during while I was writing Augusta, there were times when I didn't feel like I was wandering in that direction, I felt as if I were being directed. Mm. Like I, were, I was channeling my grandmother. Right. I'd, I'd sit down to write one thing and something else entirely different mm. would, would come out. And so, but much of it is about how I imagine she would have felt. Um, the opening scene is her walking past the home of the people who adopted her daughter And my mother told me this story many times that she used to walk past the home just to see her daughter in the yard. The first time that her daughter recognized her as that person who walks by all the time, she decided she could never go back again. And my mother never said it happened in the fall, but that's what I imagined. I imagined it in the fall. I imagined her as the only person on the sidewalk. And I imagined uh, the home she was walking by being on a corner because I didn't want to think about my grandmother walking through the alley to see her daughter. So a lot of it is fictionalized in that way, but I never heard how her first marriage ended. Um, And I knew very little about her second husband who is my uh, grandfather, my father's father. And um, they both pretty much left. And I never saw a picture of either one of them. I never heard them Spoken of much at all, except that my father did go out and look for his father as a young adult. And my brothers went looking for their grandfather as adults and they could find no evidence of his existence beyond the city of Detroit. Wow. And and one of my brothers said, you know, that rotten SOB may have ended up in the Detroit River. Right. Because they, they could find no evidence of him in Alton, Illinois, or there was a town in Ohio that they suspected he might have gone to. And no one could find any evidence of him, so.
0: Right. Uh, so how how does this work, like, you know, through the book itself, um, is is Augusta just like the protagonist the entire time?
1: Yes, it's, it's her story. There are so many things that happen, like, you know, her son being run over by a truck and the problems with money. I do know from several sources that my grandmother arrived in the city of Detroit so poor that she was wearing a feed sack for a dress, which wasn't uncommon in Arkansas at the time for farm children. That's how they dressed. So I do know that she was poor. And then I did some research into what, there weren't many tenements in Detroit, but there were a few. And there were um, shacks built along the Detroit River where some of the poorer people lived. And I had her and her husband in a tenement and the people who they came from Arkansas with, um, another family, I had them living along the Detroit River in one of the shacks that's just made out of whatever they could find to make a something of a home out of.
0: Because
1: hmm. a lot of people came up for work, part of the migration from the South when, And I didn't realize that how the way I had um, them leave Arkansas was that Augusta's first husband was a farmer like her father, and he lost his farm when the big lumbering companies came into Arkansas. They did pretty much the same thing they did in, in uh, Vermont, waited and cut all the trees. But this was in the South where the farmers were already there. And one of the things they did was if they offered them enough money to to buy a tractor, they could have all the lumber they wanted because the farmers wanted to buy a tractor. And then they provided them with seedlings or seeds for apple trees and strawberries and cotton. Evidently those were the three crops that they offered. And cotton was going at a prime price at the time. And almost everyone went into cotton and then you know what happened. It went from 12 cents a bale to six cents a bale. And a lot right. of people lost everything. And that's how I had him lose his farm and end up going to Detroit. I don't know if that happened, but it happened to a lot of people. So that's hmm. that's how I had that uh, occur to them. Uh, it, I didn't know so about that until I started doing the research.
0: Right. Was that and that was going to be my question? Was there anything that you learned through your research that surprised you? I mean, other than well, that, that was one of out? the
1: things that 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 the lumber companies did the same thing in the South that we're aware of them having done in Michigan and Vermont, but it never dawned on me that they did it all over the country, mm. uh, whether the property was already owned by other people or not. I found out that there weren't many tenements in Detroit, although there were some, and when I looked at the images of photographs taken in tenements, I would see uh, two rooms, and between the two rooms was a a door and a window on the same wall. Hmm. And I thought, I couldn't figure out. Over and over again, I saw a door and a window between two rooms. There was a law passed that said that every room had to have a window. So they put a window in between the two rooms and called it complying with the law. And then they had another window in the in their tenement that opened outside. And when they passed another law that said each apartment had to have at least one window that opened to the outside, and they actually called them tuberculosis windows because they were supposed to help keep people from getting sick. The poor part of Detroit and the more affluent part of Detroit were not far apart. It was an easy walk. So one of the things I I do in the book is when they're, Augusta's walking with one of her friends. They they go. They don't have to go far to get into a regular neighborhood with full size homes and
0: right. Now, what would be so putting this book together? How different is the fictionalized version of Augusta as compared to the, your real grandmother?
1: What's fictionalized is I don't know how she felt when certain things happened. Most of the major incidents. I know happened. I know she was married at the age of 13. I'm not sure exactly when she came to Detroit. Mm -hmm. um, And I'm not sure exactly when or how the first marriage ended and the second marriage began. There was quite a few years in between the two. And I do have that occur in the book. And um, again, much of it is about how she felt. And it's how I imagined Mm -hmm. she would have felt when her son was injured or when her daughters were growing up and starting to fight over their clothing. And
0: I I mean, so, so as you mentioned, there's a lot of supporting details that you had to kind of fictionalize in there. Were there any events or, or story threads that were that you completely put in there that, that, you know, for sure never happened?
1: Um, It's not that I don't, I know for sure it didn't happen. I'm not certain that it happened. I have her, have a relationship with one of the waitresses that she works with, a friendship with them. And um, and I don't know how she felt when she got the chance to use a washing machine instead of washing things in a wash okay. tub the way it would have been in, in uh, Arkansas. So uh, yeah, I did fictionalize that, that she did end up in in a fairly nice home with a, a washing machine and a refrigerator and a stove that does, she doesn't have to put wood into. And and for the first time in her life. And her friend, Jane has to show her how all of this works. And her boss at the restaurant, I have him, he's a nice man. And several people who've read the book said, I was really hoping the two of them would get together. And I said, well, that's not how it happens. so. Uh, I couldn't write that but I did have him a nice guy that she that she liked and and he was very understanding of her having to take care of her children and and I right. did I was able to write I do know that the restaurant she worked in was not far from uh, a police precinct house and I was able to have police officers as regular customers and I enjoyed writing them mm. because I could have them telling little stories about the city or about, you know, when right. she has to take one of her children to to work, that uh, two of the police officers um, talk about how to take care of a baby. One of them just married the other one's sister. And he says, right. you need to learn how to take care of a baby here. So we're gonna go change this little one's diaper out in the alley. And so it that was fun to write. One of them's Italian, the other one's Irish. So that was that was an enjoyable piece to write.
0: How was how was the process of writing Augusta as compared to uh, your your first book walking home how did that process differ
1: well walking home was my story uh, there's no fictionalized pieces when I when I wrote that uh, walking home at first I had very little dialogue in it because I couldn't remember what people said or mm. or what their names some of the people I didn't know their names but everybody on the trail has trail names right. and once I had the whole thing written, I went back and I thought, I need more dialogue. I need to stop telling people and let them be in the scene. And, um, and I don't need to remember, I was reading um, something about uh, Angela's ashes and they, they were talking about writing memoir. And do you think he remembered everything that was said or you know that, that he had to, to create some of the dialogue? And I thought, okay, and I don't have to remember names because I can make up, I could remember some of the names, but I could make up trail names because the trail names were all over the place, you know, right. um, Bench Bottom and Limping Louie, they were real people.
0: And so, you and that book is, in. A, that's your award-winning book right there. That's the one that you won the Human Relations Indie Book Award and yes, for travel, motivational and and, and personal determination
1: yeah it's 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 about more than part of it is about um, sweat and mud and blisters, but a yeah. lot of it is about it's a collection of short stories woven together by my hike. It's about what I thought about as I walked for days. And I remember you know, my grandmother when I heard the loon from Little Rock Pond or when I saw the snakes sunning themselves on Mount Baker. Um, and other people that came to me as I was hiking who surprised me. I had a cousin who I haven't seen in a long time. And every time I went down a ladder, I imagined her at the bottom of the ladder waiting for me. And for some reason, I'm, I'm back. When we were children, way behind their house, there was a barn that we weren't supposed to go to because it was back by the railroad track. And of course, boom, every chance we got, we were back there. And I remember her and I going up to see what was in the loft, and that I think is why I thought of her each time I came down a ladder while I was on the trail, coming down out of that hay loft. Right. You know, fifty years before.
0: Out of those two books so far, which one did you feel was uh, the most challenging for you to write?
1: Um, because Walking Home was my first. Mm. Uh, it was the most challenging. Um, when i finished it it was miles too long hikes when i was young and then introduction to vermont and then um deciding to hike the trail and then i'm on the trail and i had to get rid of all that pre-story and get the the reader on the trail to begin with and i had Mm. to decide where to do that and how to interweave those pieces from the earlier part that i didn't want to lose yeah it was that was more complicated um augusta happened much quicker it it flowed mm. it i had been thinking about it for decades and although i didn't know exactly how it was going to go i in both cases i didn't know how it was going to end i knew where it
0: was going to end yeah, did you it, have to write that book like for augusta did you and even walking home did you write that as as, as a timeline as as chronologically as it happened, or did you write pieces and just the it first
1: iteration of it was timeline as it happened. And it was, it mm. was much too long and I needed to move things together and, and make it feel less like someone was reading my journal from the trail. Right. Because I did keep a journal on the trail and one of my earliest readers said, you know, I feel like I'm reading your journal. And I thought, Oh, I don't want that. Right. Cause I've read a couple hiking books that were just reading someone's journal And although they were interesting for me as a hiker, it wasn't uh, a very compelling story.
0: (laughs) No. So, and you're not done yet. You actually, before we went on the air, you did talk about that you are in the process of working on a children's book. Is that correct? Yes.
1: I trained horses and gave riding lessons for many years. And I've written um, a, a middle grade children's book. Like Black Beauty, the story is told by the horse. And he's a very arrogant, very handsome, very talented uh, show horse who can no longer cut it on the, at the big horse shows and he becomes a lowly school horse and he has to lower his expectations and live with these horses that have hair sticking out of their ears and oh, they're right. so messy. And, <laughs> and he has to learn how to, how to be a real horse.
0: Okay, all right so and and so so you said the draft is written, you're just now looking <laughs> for an illustrator, and yes. uh, is your hope to get that published for this year?
1: Um to get I don't know if it would be published this year, but to this year, yes, to find a publisher that's willing to do it eventually.
0: So this is great., I mean, this is amazing that we're able to learn so much about you know, both of your books. And if people want to learn more and purchase your books, where's the best place they could go to? Well, they
1: can go to CeliaRiker.com. You have that on the screen. And that will give them some information. The books can be ordered through Amazon. I am currently changing my my website to the uh, because at this point, you cannot order the books from my site. Very soon you will be able to. And I will be offering discounts to book clubs that are going to buy multiples and oh, um, wow. and things like that. So uh, yes, it's it, it it can be ordered through Amazon and uh, Rootstock. You can order it through Rootstock as well. Okay. And I will be giving uh, discounts for book clubs. And I have it, it was another author who said that she um, she will go to book clubs. Who are are reading her book, either in person if it's local here in Michigan or Vermont, or she'll um, Zoom uh, at to the meeting with the book clubs. And I thought, well, that's a great oh. thing. I would love to have an author at my book club.
0: Perfect. Well, so l- listen, Celia, when you get your children's book out, you got to come back on the show and talk about. I, I, I love, love talking to. about children's books too. I would yeah. love to. Thank you very much, Celia. It was well, great thank talking you. to you.